In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. By now in the world, selfishness is pretty boring, it's normal, and it's, it's, it's very expected, even demanded sometimes. Think about selfishness on an international level for just a minute. Selfishness on an international level looks like a president saying to the diplomat that represents the, com- the, the country, the only thing that you have, have to have in mind during these negotiations are our own national interests. Make sure that you always keep our national interests in mind. So selfishness on this international level, while it looks like Russia on its own annexing Crimea. It looks like Israel and Palestine never seeming to be able to come to a compromise because they're always looking out for their own national interests. It looks like a Syrian civil war that never seems to come to an end because because the parties involved, all they care about are their own interests. But this doesn't surprise us. It's not shocking. It's expected. It's Normal. In New York, selfishness looks about the same, albeit just on a smaller scale. It looks like you walking out the door for work in the morning, and if you live in Manhattan, you're on your way to work, you know just exactly how to walk so that everyone else gets out of your way and you don't have to get out of their way. Someone even taught me how to do that. Just look straight ahead and everyone will know that you're not getting out of their way. And it looks like you, when you get to the train, and there's only one open seat on the train, you dashing for it just as soon as those doors open. Because the only thing that matters is you and nobody else. And then it looks like you getting to work, and the first thing you do instead of saying, how are you? I mean, really, how are you? I want to know. It looks like you putting demands on all your coworkers and beginning to make phone calls and emails. And instead of serving coworkers, you use them. But all of this is, is pretty normal. It's, it's boring, everyday kind of selfishness. It's even, it's even expected of us, you might say. In the family, this kind of selfishness is evident as well. It's It's normal. And it's boring. And maybe, maybe you, you see this best, not in the adults, because as adults we've learned to hide our selfishness at least a little bit. You see it best in the babies. Just ask any adult with rings under their eyes if their baby cares whether it's 3 a.m. when they wake up their parents or 3 p.m. They don't care. And sometimes maybe their cries are not selfish. But I think 90% of the time, if we translated their cries into English, they would be saying, me, me, care about me because I don't care about you. Not at all. It's as if these little beautiful gifts from God, and they are, are some of the most selfish creatures on the face of the earth. But this is, this is pretty normal. This is what parents are led to believe is expected of their children. It's normal, everyday kind of selfishness. And you would think that 
in the Christian church, it would be different. That at least in the Christian church, you would see unexpected selflessness. But no, not even in the Christian church. What we see here in, in this letter to the, to the Philippian congregation, if you've ever read the letter before, you know that this congregation loves the gospel. They believe it. They understand that Jesus has come to take away their sins. They're a generous group, and they're a joyful group. And yet the Apostle Paul is compelled to write to them about selfishness. In this congregation, selfishness looked like Aodia in Synecdoche, two women who were fighting for their own selfish interests to such an extent that the Apostle Paul had to write this, I plead with AOD and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. But it wasn't just these two women who were, who were selfishly looking out for their own interests. It was the entire congregation. So much so that the Apostle Paul wrote this, and these are the verses that lead up to our lesson for today. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. He says, dear Philippians, it's not about you. It's not about what you can get from the church. It's about everybody else. Look, look for once in your life, look at the interests not just of yourselves, but of everybody else. Dear Philippians, give up your selfishness and begin to live more unselfishly, the Apostle Paul says. See, see, this kind of selfishness the Bible teaches us is original. King David, he said it this way in Psalm 51, Surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We usually call this teaching the teaching of, of original sin, but we know that the Bible teaches that, that this might as well be called original selfishness. August Pieper, a great Lutheran theologian, came to the same conclusion. Here's what he said about selfishness in the human being. This boundless selfishness controls the human being totally. According to body and soul and all his abilities, it permeates and rules every part of the human soul. So this is what Scripture teaches about human nature. We are boundlessly out of control, without limit, originally selfish. And against this dark backdrop of human selfishness, we meet the Lord Jesus. And we meet him first as a little baby. And surprisingly, according to Christian tradition, this little baby never cried. At least not selfishly. Do you recognize this verse that we sing, this Christmas carol that we sing every year? The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Now that's surprising. That is unexpected. If you're a parent, you're sitting there, I don't believe that. I don't believe that babies 
Don't cry, but it is possible. The Lord Jesus, think of, a, think of a baby who is completely unselfish. Who thought, you know what, it's 3 a.m. I don't think I should wake up my mother. She needs to sleep. Maybe then, babies wouldn't cry. And it's for this reason that Christians have always thought, you know what, Jesus never cried, at least not in a selfish way. Because he's perfect. Against the dark backdrop of human selfishness, original human selfishness, Jesus enters in on a donkey on Palm Sunday. And we see here divine, otherworldly selflessness. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he was so excited about it, so pumped about this selfless one, he wrote a little bit of a hymn. And that forms our text for today. He said this about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross. If we want to begin to understand true selflessness, we must begin with understanding who Jesus is, the Apostle Paul says. Jesus was God. Jesus is God. Jesus always will be God. Jesus is the one who hung every star in the sky. Jesus is the one who for Noah painted in the sky the very first rainbow. Jesus is the one who holds the world in his hands. He is omnipotent. He is everywhere. He's all power. He he is almighty. He knows everything. Jesus is almighty God. So the Apostle Paul wrote, who being in very nature God, And then God did a new thing. He did a brand new thing and he took off his crown. And he took off his royal robe and he put on the sandals of a slave. The Apostle Paul continues, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So the all-powerful God is born. And he's pathetic. And he's weak. And he needs somebody else to change his diapers. From what heights did God humble himself? He took, he started with unlimited potential as God and became a baby. And all of a sudden he has very limited potential and power. But he didn't even stop there in humbling himself. He didn't stop there in his road to unselfishness. He said later in his life he got on a donkey and he rode into Jerusalem, our humble king. And he knew in his head that that ride was nothing but a death walk for you and for me. 
And yet, he recklessly plunged ahead out of pure self-sacrificial love. The Apostle Paul, he put it this way. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. From what heights he plunged. The God who hung the stars and sky now hangs on a cross. The God who painted the first rainbow for Noah is now painted in his own blood. The God who made everything, all creation, is now killed by his own creation. That's selflessness. And there was nothing in it for him. You might think, well, wouldn't he get more power by doing it? No. How would he get more powerfully if he started as God? Well, maybe, maybe he'll have a better status. No, not that either. How can you have a higher status than God? Well, maybe it's because then he'll have adoring believers around him because he died on the cross for our sins. But no, that wasn't the reason either, because God is complete in himself. He doesn't need our praise. See, what Jesus does on Holy Week and what he begins on Palm Sunday was a complete loss for him. It did nothing for him. All he did was empty himself of everything that was meaningful for him. It was pure self sacrificial love. He must have been thinking to himself, you know what, this is not in my best interest. But they need me, Father. They need me because they're selfish and they would die under your wrath. But Father, I will go ride into a donkey on Palm Sunday only to end up hanging on a cross. I will take their sin away, Heavenly Father. With this being his only thought, he got on that donkey and he rode. Palm Sunday is a completely reckless, self-sacrificial, selfless kind of love. And it's shocking. It's unexpected. It's, it's completely abnormal. It's so shocking, it's almost like as shocking as sticking your finger in an electric outplug. It's that shocking. So how could we ever go back after seeing that? How could we ever go back to normal, boring, everyday kind of selfishness? How can we, how can we hold the line on the sidewalk and make everybody else get out of our way as we watch Jesus empty himself for us? How can we dash for the only seat on the subway and, and never even thinking about giving it up unless there's a very pregnant woman there? Maybe then we would think about giving it up. How can we continue to think that way when Jesus hangs on a cross for us? How can we get home at night and instead of serving our spouse, begin to make demands on them and get frustrated when they don't meet those demands when we see Jesus 
riding in on donkey in a humble way. We cannot. That's why the, the Apostle John, he put it this way. This then is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. The Apostle Paul, he said it a little different way here in Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So he says, have the mind of Christ. Remember what his attitude was? He selflessly rode into Jerusalem. Today marks the beginning of Holy Week. And during Holy Week, people are going to selfishly pursue their own gains in the stock market. People are going to still hold the line on the sidewalk and dash for the only empty seat on the subway. People are going to do that. Husbands are still going to get frustrated with wives, and wives will still get frustrated with husbands out of selfishness. And babies are still going to cry at 3 a.m. But while all this selfishness goes on in the world, the church will contemplate the mind of Christ. As he says on Monday, Thursday, I will wash their feet. During all this human selfishness, the church will contemplate the unselfless one as on Monday, Thursday, he says, I will give them my holy supper for the forgiveness of their sins. As a backdrop to this human selfishness, the the church will contemplate during this most holy week, Good Friday, as Jesus says, I will die for them. And then the church will gather one week from today and once again contemplate the mind of Christ as he rises from the grave saying, I will rise to give them eternal life. This is radical, isn't it? It's unexpected, abnormal selflessness. May God grant that to us. Amen. Please stand. We'll confess our shared faith with Christians all over the world with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, 